Welcome to the Before You Buy or Sell a Business podcast, where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process, discuss recent transactions, and stay up to date on the latest news in the market. Here's your host, Jared Johnson. All right, so really excited today. I have Mark Basile, um, ended up buying a uh, landscape business. So excited to have you on today. Thanks for coming on. Great, good to yeah. be here. I'd love to uh, talk about your background first. You've got a pretty good, uh, diverse background. So maybe you can dive into it where you grew up and kind of take us through all that. Sure. Yeah. So my background, uh, really a CPA, but no taxes, uh, did mostly M&A mergers and acquisitions type work or um, corporate finance, that type of thing. I guess I came up to the plate with some pretty good experience for buying a company. Mm-hmm. I had never done it for myself as a principal. So this was a, you know, a good chance to kind of just jump and go for it. There was no plan B and yeah. there still isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, I was born, uh, in the Midwest, um, grew up there until like, um, I guess junior high or so. Then we moved to Atlanta, okay. went to the university of Florida. I was an architecture major originally. Okay. Uh, went one year at Georgia tech and then transferred to the university of Florida kind of to get away from home because I was like riding a bus to college every day, which yeah. was not part of my, uh, life plan. Yeah. Tech's a beautiful campus though. Yeah, it is. It is. And Atlanta's a you know, pretty good town um, yeah. at this point, but I probably didn't appreciate it as much back then. So headed south of Florida, had fun there. And um, right after college came out to Southern California. I think I had originally designed uh, a plan to move to Hawaii, okay. but I just never made it. it was, uh, <laughs> I was very much into uh, sun and surf and all those those kind of things. And, that, that, and as a CPA, that was probably the biggest transition for me was to know at that young age that I was going to be working indoors the rest of my life. And, uh, mm. it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a culture shock to me, but, uh, eventually worked out pretty good. But anyway, yeah, so I stayed in, in Los Angeles. I hadn't been there really ever since until buying this business and, and moving pretty much semi full time to Las Vegas. Okay. And then, so with the CPA route, did you do consulting? Did you start with one of the big fours? How, how that I started one of the big four. I had an audit background, uh, okay. standard, you know, thing there uh did five years at ernst and young mm-hmm. and then left and worked for a series of my clients for quite some time eventually um like during the um dot-com and tech days i was cfo of a small public company okay and um you know it was kind of trial by fire it, i felt like i was the only one that had like a legit job because uh you know with sec reporting yeah. requirements that type of thing I used to worry about what I didn't know what was going on, you know, that I should know about. So, uh, it was both really, uh, fun and really scary at the same time. It's but probably a little bit know, of a different w- mindset than some CEOs. So. It, completely. <laughs> yeah, completely. So, but eventually, you know, we ran out of money and the whole thing, uh, mm. just like everybody else went away. Yeah. But I remember filing SEC reports, basically saying, whatever you do, don't buy this stock, <laughs> you know, just to protect myself and everybody. Uh, it's a little bit of hyperbole, but, uh, Wow. It, you know, I did copy some language out of like Toys R Us and all the other bigger names that were mm-hmm. going belly up. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> didn't start that way, but we had to finish that way. Yeah. I think it's funny. Like, um, people, you know, when I was, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, Hey, do you want to try to like work your way up in a bank? No. Yeah. Like why? I'm like, 
because you can go to jail, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you know, or there's, right. you know, there's, there's so many more headaches to deal with than just, you know, I mean, obviously what I do, there's, there's a lot of stress involved with it still, cause you're dealing with someone else's livelihood. But at the end of the day, like I think working for a publicly traded company and, and, you know, being liable for things is a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. So it yeah, is. it makes yeah. sense. So, so yeah, I know you did, uh, some, some good M and a work. And then at what point did you kind of decide, Hey, I'm ready to go buy a business myself. I probably decided almost 10 years ago okay. and, and it really took some time, you know, life got in the way, kids are growing up, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'd say in earnest, I started looking about two years, two years ago from now. Okay. So it took, um, it took over a year to find the right thing. And that was looking every day, talking right. every day with brokers. And the process was pretty simple. I didn't have a lot of contacts or anything like that. So. I just worked with online brokers for the most part. Okay. And, you know, kind of in a nutshell, the way to characterize it, obviously it's, I, I would look for a good multiple, the highest multiple for the, you know, the risk set that was there mm -hmm. is the best way to put it. But uh, specifically for me, I didn't want, you know, some new Uber or sexy thing about drilling for kryptonite on pluto or something like that yeah. you know it just just because of my age and everything uh i wanted really to buy an annuity and what i was looking for was like super non-sexy b2b type stuff men and trucks concept mm -hmm. so it's scalable both up and down and i looked uh, you know kind of on the precipice of a pending recession so that was you know a little bit of a uh, little bit different than a lot of times so i was pretty cautious with that sort of thing so I, I landed on commercial landscaping um, and I was looking at HVAC and some other things, but, um, uh, but in terms of characteristics of the company or situation for me, um, I really was trying to find like a retiring boomer mm. and uh, you know, kind of a, a business with good bones, but was lacking, I don't know, some, some fresh air or technology or, you know, some like a seller that was reluctant to, uh, apply some, you know, I guess best practices, mm -hmm. but, but certainly knew their way around the business and in the market, that type of thing. Yeah. They, and I, I think I landed on a, a pretty well. I mean, the, the sellers in, in my case were, were a little bit younger and they're still somewhat involved, which has been super helpful. But, uh, I think that's what I looked for mostly was, uh, someone who I thought, uh, developed a good space within their market. And, um, and believe it or not that I felt was trustworthy. So it was important to me to have uh, financials that actually tie out to tax returns and all that sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. which certainly helps like down the road uh, from me operating the company and certainly helps from a loan perspective, you know. Yeah, where, obviously where you, you have the ability to review all that and, and yeah, I've, I've done a lot of yeah, due diligence and, and all. And I've done a lot of like even post acquisition for private equity um, transitions where we will come in and figure out kind of a game plan in terms of personnel processes, reporting, that type of thing. Yeah, so it's great. I mean, being able to apply your own knowledge is, is great. Yeah, I think it's I think it's been helpful. I yeah, mean, you certainly don't need that, but uh, it 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 helped me. And on the flip side, you know, I've I've never managed a, a lot of people. I have two hundred employees now, a little bit more than that. And um, you know, it's it's a it's a different animal. A little, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what a lot of people say is a, probably the hardest part of operating a business with with employees is the employees. You know, just yep. trying to deal with especially lately it seems like it's a it's a little bit more tough especially in some of the uh you know industries that have more of like the 
you know, high school type age kids or younger yep. kids like restaurants and stuff, they've really been struggling with, with employees. So. Yeah, certainly. I can imagine that my, my demo is a little bit different than that, but yeah, um, mine, you know, mine are pretty much uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, unskilled or, or that, that type of thing. They're not highly educated. They're not college graduates. So right. They're, they're great workers. Yeah. That's for what sure. Mean. Yeah. But I mean, they, they definitely fit uh, what we need. So Right. Yeah. So did you find the business listed somewhere or had it, did it work from going to all the brokers and, and kind of, yeah, I mean, specifically, up? I think it was, um, Sunbelt if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. So, so really just from, uh, you know, just, uh, scouring the, the internet every day and it popped up and it was actually, um, when I first looked at this thing, um, it was in escrow oh, Okay. and it seemed like it was priced kind of high as well. So I, I didn't think much about it, but then like a month later, the broker called me back and said it fell out, hmm. which is, you know, good and bad. Okay. Yeah. Great that it's, it's available bad. Like, okay, so what happened? Yeah. That, that happens a lot with stuff I'll work on. Like I'll have a deal, like almost ready to close. And for whatever reason, it'll, it'll cancel, but it's almost never because it was a bad deal. Yeah. But then trying to get a buyer to understand that, like I'm always kind of tiptoe around it when I'm talking to him, I'm like, oh yeah, I already have the appraisal. I already have everything done. Um, you know, somebody else said it wasn't for them. Well, wait a minute. What, why? And then yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, so I usually have to explain it to him the situation. Like there wasn't anything wrong. We wouldn't do the loan if there was something wrong. Like, and right. then they kind of calm down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All that right. Makes sense. So yeah, a lot of times it's just, sometimes it's just personality difference between buyer and seller or something happens in their family situation changes and they decide it's not for them or. Yeah. I think in our case, there were a couple times and I found this out after the fact where the sellers were, uh, almost ready to walk. Mm -hmm. for you know I, I don't even remember what the issues were nothing it was created by me or them um but something uh there was you know a stick in the spokes at some point and, and I, I wish i could remember exactly what it was i think there was some with the with the seller carry note at one point i think we're yeah there. and there might there might have been something else as well and um you know i i don't i don't remember the exact circumstance but i mean whatever it was we got through it obviously yeah so what did you like about the business initially when you when you looked at the listing? Uh, kind of the scale. I mean, it, it's you know for me it was a fairly large uh, mom and pop landscape, a commercial landscaping company as far as those go. Um, you know, revenues are about triple what I was typically looking at hmm. in that space. You know, I figured there was some scale there and uh, a little bit of room to uh, to grow. You know, mm -hmm. in terms of like uh, customer base, that type of thing was not highly dependent on one or two big customers. I mean, we definitely have that going on, but um, not as much as some of the smaller right. companies that I'd looked at. So Yeah, where they just have like one HOA or something. I felt, ironically, and maybe it's not ironic, but I felt like there was a little bit more safety in buying a bigger company. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a little bit more options to grow or, you know, run for the corner if needed. <laughs> yeah. Something like that, or run for cover. Yeah, makes and, sense. And even if, I, even if I needed to shrink it, to grow it, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'm really getting at. So, right. Yeah. If you need to, you know, drop the customers that there's yeah. no margin and yeah, yeah, a lot of people end up doing that. Yeah. So, so do you remember what it was listed for when you initially started? Yeah, it was, um, uh, not counting the, uh, seller contributions to working capital. Um, it was, uh, I think it was initially about 3.8 million and, um, we effectively closed around four. Mm -hmm. uh, in the negotiation process, I, you know, had to throw in the towel. There, there were, uh, purportedly, <laughs> uh, other buyers, uh, waiting in the wings and all that sort of thing. But 
I don't know, you know, uh, for me, it was just like, I really wanted to get my foot in the door. Mm -hmm. So a two or $300,000 concession, not to sound all cavalier. Um, I just decided to not focus on that. Because when you go through this process, you can come with a million reasons to not do it. Oh, yeah. You just got to focus well, on... Well, especially with your background, because yeah. you, you look at it and you can talk yourself out of anything. And amortize that yeah. over 10 years or whatever. It's it's not, it's not. like it's like buying a house in the Southern California market. You know, yeah. you might overpay by $50,000 knowingly, which I've yeah. done in the past. But over time, it's like, are you kidding me? It's not, it's not even there. Yeah. It's not exactly analogous, but, you know, I figured just just get my... Throw my hat in the ring and I'll figure it out after that. Yeah, sometimes it shows a little goodwill with the with the seller too. They're they're a little yeah and nicer. And it, you don't want to start off beating each other up and I, then go, I, hey, now let's work together for six months. This yeah. I've been through these, like I said, for other people, but first time for myself on this one. But the you know, I really have to point out in my case, I have really exceptional sellers that have bent over backwards to help me. Cool. And um, you know, they're carrying a note for pretty substantial piece about 25 30 percent of the business yeah which of course helps <laughs> yeah which aligns our interests but even outside of that they've been fantastic and i'm fortunate enough to um kind of leverage their relationship within the market and that customer base and uh, you know i i wouldn't rule out us working together going forward to mm -hmm. bolt something on here yeah um cool and, and i think it makes sense yeah definitely i, I, yeah. I actually i trust them good yeah, yeah that always so helps. that's pretty you know I don't know. That might be a little bit unusual, but uh, that was fortunate for me. It happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, uh, you know, some people, they, they seem to almost fit in kind of where that, that person was lacking a little bit. And yep. as long as they can kind of recognize that rather than letting it sting their ego, then it usually will work out. Yeah. I mean, I, I th I'm not going to be presumptuous, but I think we're a fairly good team. You know, they've got definitely 25 plus years of industry knowledge. And uh, I know it sounds simple, commercial landscaping, and you think, yeah, it is. But there are some nuances that, uh, you know, wouldn't necessarily meet the eye. Mm -hmm. And for me, on the finance side, <clears throat> to put a future deal together or whatever, I think would would I think we're a really good fit. So cool. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's, that's exciting. Yeah. So um, you know, went through negotiations, weren't you know too rigid with that. Um, came to an agreement. Um, what did you do as far as uh, your own due diligence for it? I mean, I know obviously you have a background in that, right. so maybe you could kind of share some advice yeah. what you so, would do. So yeah, the uh, the flip side of that, it, it is definitely a mom and pop thing. Um, they're not accountants. Um, they work on a cash basis mm -hmm. way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And they literally do not input invoices into, they use QuickBooks, do not even do that until it's time to pay. So it was a little bit of a struggle trying to get my arms around like what they really made on an accrual basis, which is, you know, all my background. Right. And, you know, to figure out the multiple and like, what is this thing really making? So, um, you know, there were uh, some surprises before, during and after due diligence in that regard, just because uh, not that anybody tried to um, pull the wool over anybody's eyes. It's just they just did not have the training and background to do that. Yeah, I think so, I remember so you telling me they, had, uh, they, they even hand wrote the paychecks. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, there was, did a lot of uh, general all, ledger it, stuff yeah, on there. Definitely did payroll in-house. It wasn't quite that bad, but, okay. uh, you know, I mean, they're they're not bumpkins or anything they're actually yeah. very smart people um but they just are used to um living in an environment where they did things the way they wanted to do it in just 25 years of that so yeah well it worked for them so it, it worked for them yeah. yeah so uh that was probably the biggest challenge but you know and just to be real specific yeah the due diligence uh, i just made sure that everything tied out to tax returns which to me is like if i don't see that then i'm i need an overwhelming force 
mm-hmm. earthquake force to like move forward with something like that. Yeah. And as you know, it, it's just prolific. I mean, most people, um, you know, get pretty aggressive on the tax side. Yeah. So if they're willing to cheat the IRS or whatever, I mean, why are they going to be honest with me? I have I have no power compared to the IRS. So it's just a bad place to start. Absolutely. And for for both of us as buyer yeah. and and on the lender side. Yeah, that that's one of the biggest things that I I try to preach every day is like, you know, these these people come in and they say, well, yeah, here's my financials and here's my tax returns and yep. kind of like, well, at the end of the day, the valuation and the lending is going to be based off tax returns. So. Yeah. Although you've enjoyed not paying taxes over the last five years, you can't have it both ways. You know, yeah, exactly. You can't cheat on the taxes and then expect to be paid for the the real company. Right. You know, that's a little bit too much. Exactly. So that all penciled out. So you felt felt comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And um, you know, and then and the, the flip side, you know, we um, you know, when I first got there, I was looking at some of the financials, and it's like, mm, I thought it was going to be look a little bit more rosy than it initially was. But we've um, <clears throat> we've done really well. Um, a lot of businesses come in this year. Hopefully, that's going to continue. Yeah, so it's priced. Um, I can definitely support the purchase price. Cool. It's only been three months, you know, for whatever it's worth. But yeah, I had some concerns initially the first two three weeks. You know? Oh no. Yeah, I was like, oh boy. But uh, <laughs> as we got into it, I got a little bit more clarity on the cost side and how this all worked and put together. So. Did you uh, convert to accrual? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I. I yeah, I'm an accrual basis guy. Oh yeah, the whole cash stuff. I mean, um, the sellers uh, literally said that they did not run financial statements until they were selling the business. They've never done them. Oh my gosh! So and with that amount they, of revenue—that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's just for reference. Yeah, it's about twelve, twelve and a half, thirteen million in revenue. Yeah, that's so, insane. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I thought that's fantastic. What a luxury! But uh, you know, I. I came in with uh, you know pretty slim down payment and all that, so uh, I did not have cash uh, pouring out of my uh, ears for this thing. Yeah. So it was it was a much different uh, scenario for me. Okay. I'd well, be very I'm, aware of that. Yeah, that makes sense. So some of the the kind of challenges we had with the transaction, um, I know one of them was uh, the amount of vehicles. So I think there was like over a hundred vehicles. Yep. Um, That's still a challenge. We still don't have them registered yet. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. It takes a long time usually to, to yeah. get them all transferred. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. We had smogs, uh, smog certificates that were outstanding for like everything. I thought that, I thought those were done by the seller, but I, I guess not. So, oh, no. Yeah. So that was the big holdup and we're still going through that. Yeah. It, it takes a while usually to get everything yeah. transferred. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so let's see, we got you through, got you approved. Um, so working on the closing, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about the licensing situation. Yeah, for me, it was a big deal. Um, you have to have a contractor's license. Uh, we operate both in Nevada and Arizona and both states require it, uh, for different reasons, but they're both required a uh, contractor's license. So to get that, you have to pass a test and, um, uh, in, in both these states, you need four years of practical experience. I have zero on that. So what we did was uh, the sellers um, signed up as uh, a qualified employee um, for a year, so we can get around that, um, and that satisfies that satisfies the state requirements for licensing. But you know, it's a it's a it's a state entity, just like anything else. They're in no rush to do any of that stuff. So um, you know, from offer acceptance to close. I think we did about nine months or something like that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even a little bit more than that. And I'd say about a third to half of that was because of the licensing side. So we, we looked at, uh, 
to speed things up, we looked at doing a sale lease back uh, between the buyer and seller, which uh, confused everybody uh, initially. And then um, we all got through that. And the one person that didn't get through that was the seller's CPA. He was just um, didn't like it because he didn't really know what it was or didn't have experience with it. And, and you know, in all fairness, he's a, he's a tax guy. He, he had never run across it. But he did convince them, them the sellers, enough to where uh, we ended up delaying about uh, three months because of that for my licensing to come through. And, and that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I would have preferred to get in there a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, it makes you nervous. Like mm -hmm. you put your whole kind of life plan into this business purchase. And, you know, as we all know, every day something could happen somewhere. Sellers could get cold feet or the bank could say, uh, we got, you know, the bank could go through an acquisition. They got different lending standards and it's all out the door or whatever. Yeah. I mean, in, in my mind anyway, that, that was all the, well, the people always say time, time kills deals. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so but uh, yeah, we did get a close, which, which was great. And then, uh, you know, I mean, I guess some of the other things that were um, with your properties, we had to take, you know, oh, yeah. the SBA requires us to take all available collateral and several of your properties had, uh, you had bought, I think from a tax sale. Yeah, tax sale. And, uh, and if I remember correctly, somehow the, um, the deeds were not perfected because of this, how they were signed off or something like that. I've yeah, already I forgot. Think... I've conveniently forgotten all that. <laughs> and that, that's all fixed now. But, you know, again, it was like one of uh, several little uh, pitfalls that, you know, would, would pop up. Yeah, it seems like process. every time we, we rounded a corner, you yeah. know, something else. I think uh, a couple of the both sides of legal seem to be like off track on like vacation and stuff like that too. Yeah, so you yeah, have exactly. like one guy come back and it'd be like, okay, they're they're good. And, oh, wait, the other yeah. one's gone. It and was, then, yeah. It was a mini cluster on, on a lot of parts of a lot of people. But, yeah. But, but just anybody's dealing I mean, with the bigger transaction, that's that just happens. Too. Yeah. But in hindsight, yeah. Had I known that, uh, you know, we had an issue with some of the deeds, obviously I would have taking care of that regardless of the transaction, you know, you want the yeah. stuff to be pretty nailed down. But uh, yeah, I think that was uh, probably the last thing that was in the way there for a little bit. So cool. Yeah. And then I remember we, uh, let's see, so we did some permanent working capital and then we did a line of credit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they left in uh, some working capital as well. So yeah, we, uh, the sellers threw in a little bit of inventory and some cash um, to help me out. Um, you know, the, the, this business runs expenses about 900000 or so a month. So, um, and the customers, for the most part, you know, a little bit sluggish. Mm. But um, uh, I got through the first three months, okay. And we've only had to hit the line of credit once uh, for, you know, pretty small amount relative to what I thought. I really thought I would be maxed out on the line of credit from, you know, about three or four weeks in. But mm. it, it worked out okay. Yeah, so maybe take us through, um, you know, kind of how the transition went, and if you have any advice for people that are taking over a similar type business. Yeah, it's for me. It's you know, without the seller involvement, I would have been, uh, in hindsight, just completely lost. You know, there's just too much to do and too much going on. They don't have a lot of office help, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It was really the seller and his wife, and, and actually they they both own it. I'm mm -hmm. just characterizing it that way. And, uh, you know, he took care of the operations and she took care of the office and that's customer service, all the accounting. Uh, it's amazing how much uh, work she, she did by herself. She had a helper. Uh, she had a full-time assistant for, not an assistant, but like an office manager for, I guess, quite a few years. But that person had gone like right before 
we bought the company or I bought oh, the company. Okay. So um, we're still got a little bit of a gap there. So I've been doing mostly, uh, you know, office work and accounting. I'm trying to get more out in the field. So it's a little bit different deal for me um, because the sellers have been involved. Uh, they've actually taken a really big role in running the company. But uh, contractually, we had 90 days where they were going to help, and they're starting to transition out of that. So I'm going to try to get a little bit more in the field and hire uh, some office slash accounting help going forward. Yeah. yeah. So did you change anything right away? Or, I mean, obviously, besides the accounting. I had big plans <laughs> to do all kind of stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, oh, we're going to get, we're going to, you know, do a payroll service. And I was looking at, uh, you know, some apps like ClockShark, which is uh, allows you to go out in the field and just, you know, through a mobile phone. It, phone it does uh geofences your workers and you know for me uh, having my accounting background i really want to know like who's doing what where when and how much yeah. does it cost that that type of thing which they've never done before and i mean they have it all in their head which is great but you know my head was uh, pretty blank <laughs> to start off with so uh, i had to learn that business so in the end i had great plans to like do all these like new cool stuff and i haven't done any of it yet it's been so overwhelming just like the day-to-day and, um, you know, the, the most uh, probably challenging thing so far is like all the workers are coming out of the woodwork to ask for raises and, and all this, like every payroll period, you know. And um, and the market, especially in Las Vegas, has been pretty resistant to uh, uh, price increases. Mm. And we've got a couple undercutters uh, in the market that have been pretty successful and have taken business from, you know, all the bigger companies. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know my workers make, you know, 15 bucks an hour or whatever. So a dollar raise on that doesn't sound like much, but there's 400,000 working hours in the year. Right. And, you know, a dollar on 15 is, uh, you know, almost 7%. Yeah. And my revenues just, I've not been able to increase revenues quite that much. And I just heard today the latest inflation number right now is apparently 3%, which sounds really low mm-hmm. compared to what we're seeing here. But so yeah, we've we've payrolls bumped way up relative to our revenue side, so we're going to try to correct that going forward. And um, you know, I have uh, some plans for that for next year. But right now, we're working on contracts for for twenty twenty four. Okay. And I'm going to try to at least get like a five percent increase in there, which will help me out and help alleviate some of that pain on on the payroll side. Yeah, hopefully they'll they won't be too resistant to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's it's tough. There's just like I said, there's price undercutters, and you know waiting in the wings uh, yeah which is crazy to think like I, I don't know how they're even making any money when people do that and it's just yeah if everybody got together and worked together you'd be so much more profitable right competition's only good yeah, for the our, consumer our, yeah our revenue you know per hour per man hour is uh considerably low in las vegas it's just the market conditions and truth be told you know i i was not even aware or, or as aware as i should have been with that mm. But so Phoenix is definitely the more promising market of the two until we can make some corrections in, in Las Vegas. But our bread and butter is not the maintenance side, the monthly maintenance. We kind of get killed on that. It's all the renovation projects and all that to go in with that. So you got, you know, you need to get those accounts. It's kind of like your loss leader mm-hmm. to go out and get the, you know, the 50 plus percent margin business on the renovations and, and that type of thing. Um, and Las Vegas is in the throes of, uh, a mandate by the water district to remove all commercial grass by January 1st, 2027. So we're getting the benefit of that. Those projects are um, for the most part um, relatively lucrative compared to the, the maintenance side. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I remember you were talking about that from the beginning and 
how they you know re- basically require you to turn into the drought tolerant landscape but yep. you and i were kind of talking about it, it's actually more expensive <laughs> than yeah. in the long run so it's kind yeah of silly. It's, it seems counterintuitive <clears throat> but uh, you know the the real win there for the for the customer for the uh, in our case hoas and apartment complexes is the reduced water bill yeah 70 percent of the water goes away the maintenance side actually goes up a little bit, believe it or not, with that. And we're, we're okay with that. So yeah, of course. <laughs> we make money taking the grass out, getting rid of it, and then, you know, kind of bump up on the maintenance yeah. side. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people kind of have a philosophy to leave the business alone for six months or so and then kind of yep. start implementing things. So maybe you're like accidentally doing that. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's quite honestly, it was my ignorance. I thought it would be a lot easier just uh, interject some technology in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's much better to like figure out what's going on, obviously figure out what's going on first and don't be so zealous to uh, think that you've got a better way to do things. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll, it'll happen when it's supposed to. Yeah, and it will. It might actually be save you some money too. Cause you might have put something in that you didn't really need or didn't really, you know, right. you thought was going to work and it, and it wouldn't once right. you really dove into the business. So yep. maybe it'll save you some time and some money. That'd be good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so if you had um, some kind of like overall advice, like thinking back to your transaction for like for a buyer, what what would you say, or some of the things that somebody should really look at? Uh, just do the homework, do the due diligence part pretty good, and then and and like counter to that though, but don't be so afraid to make a move, you know. And maybe that's just my my personal thing. I'm pretty cautious, but uh, you know, at some point you can go through months and years of woulda, coulda, shoulda on mm-hmm. these things. If you find something that has, uh, you know, some good bones and you can put the, you know, put the funds together to do it, uh, I'd say uh, go for it. But, you know, just be smart about it. Yeah, it seems to be a a kind of a common thing that I've been hearing more lately is a lot of people, you know, first of all, didn't even know you could buy a business and they're, you know, that kind of wasn't in their mind. And then then you have the other people that are just super scared to do it. Um, and of course there's, there's lots of risks there, but, um, you know, more people would kind of tell me like, I wish I would have done this before. or I wish I would have, mm-hmm. you know, not been so scared to do it. So any other advice that you can think of as far as like, uh, you know, with obviously you covered kind of due diligence and, and everything. Was there anything that you remember you, yeah, you wish it, you would have looked at? I don't know about that, but, uh, I, I probably wish I would have dived a little bit more into the contract situation like here in Las Vegas and, and did that. But like I said, I, I got to a point where I wasn't going to let something like that derail me. Mm-hmm. But, um, for me, you know, part of, part of what I bought this for, and I think it's important to have just like buying a stock or anything. And maybe people don't really talk about this as much as they should, you know, your, your exit plan should be pretty much known as when you buy the thing, you know, obviously you can change that down the road, but, um, for me in, in this situation, um, this thing is just just a little bit below the purview of private equity. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I bought it. So what I want to do is bolt on another like 3x multiple business and consolidate those things. And then once I get that mass together, the multiples go from 3x at that mom and pop or 3.5x to 6 or 7 at the mm-hmm. private equity or consolidated level. So it sounds like a no-brainer. And uh, I, I haven't done it yet, but I mean, but but conceptually, that's that was my exit strategy, and that it still is. So I'm looking to uh, put a little bit more mass into this thing, uh, clean up what I can, and then you know uh, have it at its highest and best use to go out and and market it at some point. Doesn't mean you have to sell it, but uh, if I can 
double the multiple like that in the fairly short term, you know, I would. And, and you know, uh, the, the flip side of that is like, I'm really working a lot of hours and I'm, you know, I'm commuting back and forth and everything. So there is definitely uh, part of the advice is you really got to be pretty focused and committed to what you're doing to do this. Not to scare anybody away, but as you can imagine, when all your financing is on the line and, you know, your whole livelihood is there. Yeah. It's it's very motivating and scary at the same time, but certainly not enough to, uh, for me to say don't do it. I'd, I'd say go for it. Yeah, I think we're seeing more people do that, and they're kind of following along with what the PE firms are doing. And um, we saw maybe in the last two years or so, um, a lot of the family offices and the mm-hmm. you know, PE firms are coming down lower and lower and lower. Yeah, um, well, it's a smart move because, right. I mean, like you said, the multiples start to shrink there. And yeah. It's like, you get it's that. more work probably because there's a lot of systems that aren't in place and you know they're like like you're dealing with now you know trying yeah. to clean a lot of that up but if you go and buy three or four businesses that are at a three times multiple and combine them yeah a year later you've you've doubled the value of the business fairly easily yeah i've seen what private equity pays for you know like uh you know, uh, tech companies and all, you know 15x and 18 yeah. and 20 and they're okay with that and like I'm not. I mean, I I yeah. got to make money. You know? Right. So yeah, that always blows people's mind. They're, they're and... working with other people's money for the most part, and uh, that's great. But it's created such an opportunity to get from that that three x multiple to that six, seven, eight, or whatever it is. Yeah. You know that that dead space in there is where you want to be. So yeah, for sure. So yeah. I'm sure it'll work out for you. You know what you're doing. So so that was the number one driving factor for me. You know, just to like wrap up in the end and, and say what I probably should have said first, but. You know that that was the plan here, and um, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great plan. Um, I think you know there's some people that are that try to do it, and it takes longer because they're starting with a company that's at you know three million in revenue or whatever. So they've got to buy six or seven before yeah. they get it. So you started, yeah. you had a little bit more of a head start because you're you're starting at a higher level. Yeah, yeah, we're close. I mean, realistically, you got to get to about uh, for for this industry like eighteen twenty million something yeah. like that. Yeah, you'll get there. Yeah, and which you know only fifty percent more than what we're at. So yeah, cool. That's exciting. So, all right. Well, I uh, I always ask two questions at the end. So first one: um, Do you have a mentor? Or did you ever have a mentor? Yeah, I think so. Not specifically for this, but just in in general. You know, uh, there were people that I worked with uh, back in the Ernst and Young days that um, definitely kind of followed in their tracks, and not just from. Uh, a technical standpoint, but just in terms of uh, kind of figuring out, you know, ethics and like where to go and, and everything and what really matters. I mean, uh, and, and, I, and I guess, you know, to some extent, um, even though it's a little bit dated now, but like, you know, rich dad, poor dad mm-hmm. and the concepts and that, I say it's a dated book, but I mean, it's still relevant. You know? Yeah. So, so that was it. And part of what I want to do here is same, same like that, show my kids the difference between being an employer and an employee. And, um, you know, it's both risk and reward, uh, uh, pluses and minuses there. Yeah. That's but, great. But that was important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then final question, you know, what motivates you? Obviously you've been, I know even during the, the process of, you know, nine months of, of going through this, you were still working and, mm-hmm. you know, putting in a lot of long hours and stuff. So what, what motivates you? What, what's pushing you to do that? Uh, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I, despite the, you know, having to work all these hours and everything, I, I do want to get to a point where I can kind of slow it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm motivated to uh, not be, you know, uh, as I told people, 
living in a 1977 Chevy van and by some unnamed river in West Virginia. You know? <laughs> so I, I just, I don't want to ever have to run out of money or be in a position to where I have to worry about that. Yeah. So um, I was a CPA, but you know, I, I didn't do taxes, so it wasn't really scalable. And there's a limit to that. And at some mm -hmm. point, you know, you reach a, a, a time where there's younger, smarter, cheaper people to do what you're doing. So this, like I said, this was 10 years in the, the thought process and the making to, to, uh, to get to this point. So, yeah, well, I think you're, you're probably glad you did it now. And then yeah, so obviously <laughs> the, there's still a, a uphill battle, but you'll get there. Yeah, it is different. I mean, there's, there's, there's no rest, you know, it's, um, you gotta be committed and, um, things can go sideways real fast. And, uh, I, I'm not at a point where like, ah, no problem. I don't have uh, years years behind me in this thing, so it's still pretty fresh. Got to make sure we don't misstep in uh, in a big way. So the little yeah. ones are okay, but not the big ones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, well, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, you know giving us some really good information. Great. And hopefully, uh, you'll have another deal coming up soon. I hope so. Yeah. We'll keep it going. All right. All right. Sounds Thanks. good. Thanks. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful. Please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For more information, or if you'd like to discuss a transaction, please go to www.jaredwjohnson.com.